0: I actually took to them the prophetic word that the Lord has given us for 2023 and uh, man that place that place came unglued I mean it was it was wild it got crazy I thought they were going to start running the back you know that's down near Kentucky so (laughs) they're a lot more emotional down that way than we are up here in Michigan but man I'm telling you it got it got out of control it was so powerful you could just feel the Spirit of God was moving and they just latched onto that Word. People are really, are really hungry to know what is God saying. They really are. And, uh, you know, what is God's Word? What is God speaking right now? Um, you know, I am so grateful that the Lord has given us clarity for this coming year and uh, what He wants to do. And uh, if you've missed any of that, I just encourage you to uh, go back and listen to it. It's on Facebook and on YouTube and uh, definitely will be a blessing uh, to you. In Second Chronicles twenty twenty, it talks about how that as the people were seeking God for a word about what to do about the trouble that they were in, that God spoke, and the, the, the leader of the people said to them, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. That we are established that our foundation is always in, tr- in our faith in God. It's always established in our faith in God. That we, you know, the, that to, to remain unshaken in life, you have to be founded on the rock. You can't be founded on sand. You know, that the Bible teaches that, that the winds are going to come. The rains are going to come, and there's going to be storms, and there's going to be difficulties... But Jesus told us that the man who has built his house on the rock that that man's foundation that he will be firm through whatever storm comes. And you know, I would have loved it if God would have just said there will be no storms for those who build their houses on the rock. But remember the testimony to the to the listen now, the testimony to the non-believer is that the believer is able to stand regardless of what's going on in circumstances around them. Now, the Bible also talks about those whose house is built on sand. Sand is rock. It is rock. It's just rock that is in separate pieces. It's not solid. It's, it moves, it's, but it still is rock. The, 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 the building of it is still rock. It's just that it has no substance to it for stability. When the Bible tells us that if we believe or have faith in, the, in God that we will be established. What that's saying for us is that, look, whatever is happening, we're to be all right because we're established in God. But it then goes on and says, And if you will, if you will believe what his prophets say, then you shall prosper. And the word prosperity is an interesting word. We tend to always think of the word prosperity in terms of wealth. And, and, and it does constitute wealth. But when you look at, like, 3 John chapter. 3 John 2, excuse me. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. That the word that's used for prosper there is to advance. It means to move forward, to be able to move forward. And so this is really key for us. Um, If you go back and you look at, and I don't have time today to really dig into this, but if you look at the Jewish numerical year, 5283, which we're in right now, because the Jewish year started um, in uh, September at, at um, yeah Rosh Hashanah. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. So we're in 5283. The symbols there are symbols that go with the Hebrew letters. The symbol of the three that's used in the, in the in the, in the by the Hebrews by the Jews is a man. That's stepping forward. That's what it means. Eighty-three means to step forward, and it also means that that man is stepping forward. I think it's Galeph is the is the word the the symbol that they use, but it means that it's not just a man stepping forward, but it's a man stepping forward with wealth in his hands. So when we talk about moving forward, we talk about be, the, believe in the prophets, and you will prosper. That's not just in terms of wealth. Wealth is a part of that. But it's also that we will know how to move forward. We'll know how to move forward. You know, timing is everything, isn't it? Knowing, knowing God's plan and the right timing. You throw, you take one of these instruments on the stage and put them out of time with what's happening, and it's chaos. It creates chaos for the everybody else, and you hear it. You pick up on it right away, even if you're not like trained and tuned into music, you know somebody's hitting the wrong key. This timing is, is important and being tuned into what's happening and, and the direction that things are going to be able to, so that we can all move forward together. All move forward together. Well, Paul talks about this in the book of Timothy, um, when he's writing to Timothy and he begins to share with him and if you want to look with me you can uh, in your bible there but he begins to talk to him in 1 Timothy about the things that are that he is sending him out with the things that will be important for him to remember uh, as he moves forward as Timothy begins to move forward in what God has what the father has for him and it says in It says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, if you look at verse 18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. All right, so notice the context here. There is a warfare that Timothy's going to deal with there is a warfare that you deal with there is a warfare we all deal with in that warfare that we some, some of us it's it's more emotional some of us more mental some of us it's it's more uh, you know that our, our addictions and will that we struggle in but we all look we're all in warfare it's a it's against the things of this world that we warfare we war against our flesh we we war against the principalities and powers and you know, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. There is a warfare. But no one just goes to war without a plan. That when we go to war, we go to war with a plan. We, we need a strategy. And that's what this verse is saying here. He said that, that by them, by the prophetic things that have been spoken, you can wage fight the good warfare, wage the good warfare. And what he's talking about in this verse here is is that, look, in the warfare that there is a, the waging of this warfare, there is a strategy. In fact, the word here, wage, means the strategic, it's a strategia, and it means to to have a strategy for the warfare that you're going into. God has a plan for you to follow, and in his plan, it's going to be tied prophetically to what he is saying over our lives and over our church as well and over our nation. Now, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18 in the Amplified Version, it says, This charge and admonition I commit and trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophetic intimations which I formerly received concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them, you may wage the good warfare that you might fight. The King James Version says fight the good fight. Wage is strategy. That you would have a good, the first word fight there is different than the second word fight in the King James Version. And it means to have a strategy for the fight that you're going into. You have a battle. You and I have a battle that we're dealing with. God has a strategy for us to have victory in that battle. Well, thanks for your enthusiasm. What's God's strategy, Pastor? See, this is where we, this is what we do. We we, we need to understand why God gives us a strategy so we can understand what that strategy is for. The strategy is given to us for the warfare that we are facing in life, the things that we are going to face or we are facing right now. Amen. Thank you. Verse 19, he says, look, hold fast to the faith, that leaning of the entire human personality on God and in an absolute trust and confidence. This is the Amplified Version. And having a good, clear conscience by rejecting and thrusting from them their conscience, some individuals have shipwrecked, their faith. And there are people that are going shipwreck in their faith right now. In fact, back before the last election that happened, there were people that ended up shipwrecked during that election. Their faith went shipwrecked because they began to trust more in what men were saying than what, instead of going to God. It is not my job to hear from God for you, it is my job to hear from God for Amazing Grace Church. But it is not my job. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You have God's Spirit resident inside of you. I mean, listen, when you're born again, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're the Ark of the Covenant according to the New Testament. We, you know, people... Uh, Christians get all excited about the, the ark and will we ever find the ark of the covenant and is it really out there and where is it buried at and what. We'll, well, look, I'm telling you, God isn't on that ark anymore. He moved from being in that holy of holy place into this holy, what He now has consecrated as the holy of holies in your life. The, 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 the uh, uh, the sanctus sanctorum, they call it, this, this holy place that he is, because sin has been removed from your spirit, now God can dwell with men, in men, in men. He is in you. If Christ is in you, that the Bible teaches, that's the hope of all glory. In Colossians 1, 27, the hope of him being in you, not that you can talk to him, the hope of all glory is that Christ is is in you. So it's not the preacher's responsibility to hear from God for you. But it is in their, the areas that God has called them to, it is their responsibility to, to, to speak on behalf of, if it's a congregation or a certain ministry that they've been given, to have the word of the Lord for that. Amen. He said, look, if you, if, if you receive this in the, in the Amplified Version, you will hold fast, you'll be able to hold fast to your faith. Remember, we believe in the Lord our God and we are established. We believe in his prophets and we prosper. We're able to move forward in what God has forward, for us. Excuse me. I believe we're in a time where God is really saying, look, you can either go stagnant and in reserve mode, because of what's going on around you, or you can hear my voice and move forward. And move forward. And I mean that on every level, for you that have businesses, that you're able to move forward in business, regardless of what's happening in the economy. And maybe God will tell you that, look, I don't want you to invest in this right now, I want you to invest in your structure or whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever God's telling you to do, that's what you need to do because that's his strategy for you. Now, God's given us a strategy for this coming year, and that is get ready because he's about to do some wonders in your life. He's about to do some miraculous things in your life, and, and, but you are responsible to get yourself ready. Prophecy is insight into God's strategy. Prophecy is insight into God's strategy. The primary purpose of Old Testament prophet was to lead and guide Israel through the word of God. And, in fact, a lot of their words became Holy Scripture and are included in what we know today as the Old Testament. You know, the words that Jeremiah spoke. There, was, there were prophetic people that were set, and especially when you look at it, there was a northern kingdom and, and a southern kingdom after um, Nathan, and the, Nathan the prophet, and so you have something going on in the north, you have something going on in the south. A lot of Christians don't even realize this, that Elijah was Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, and the great prophet Elisha, they were not called to preach to Jerusalem. Their strategy and call was to preach to Samaria. They preached to the northern kingdom. Jeremiah was called, if you read, we just are finishing up Jeremiah, or just finished it, and are in Lamentations now. And uh, boy, you know, Lamentations, wow. Uh, (laughs) You lament while you read Lamentations for sure. But Jeremiah was called to preach to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, when he was preaching to Jerusalem, to Judea, you know, he's telling them, look, if you don't do this, then you're going to all, you're heading into captivity. It had gone so far away from God. And Jeremiah reveals a strategy to them of what to do. In fact, it's real interesting. We just read this this last week. And uh, he told the king, he said, look, if you'll surrender to the king of Babylon, then you'll, you'll be, you, he won't burn all of Jerusalem. He won't burn everything up. You'll live, your family will live, everything will be well. The king that was in, that was in I can't remember his name right now, but whoever the king was at that time, he didn't listen. So you know what he ended up having? What ended up? He got captured because Jeremiah said, you're going to be captured. And they ended up killing his children all in front of him and then blinding his eyes. That was the last thing that he saw. Was his kids and family dying. And he burned all of Jerusalem. But see, when God reveals a strategy, we have a choice to make whether we're going to get on board with that strategy. These prophets in the Old Testament they were God was using them to lead the nation, to the to guide the nation in what they were doing. There were other prophets, obviously, that were that were active and were doing things, but there was a primary prophet of the Lord that was was speaking. In the Old Testament, you had three places of authority. You had the prophet, you had the priest, the high priest, and then you had the king. Each of them operated in a different realm. And so as they operate, but when Jesus came, Jesus was the last prophet of the Lord. He is the last high priest. And he is the king of all kings. Amen. So as we look at what prophecy does and what it's supposed to do, the Bible talks to us, it's to encourage us. Encourage, listen to this, this is really awesome. The original Greek word for encourage is in the passage that talks about that uh, prophecy must encourage, that it, that it exhort and, and edify, the word encourage means to cause to move forward. Encourage means to cause to move forward. It's God saying, come on, come with me. I, this is the way to go. This is the direction. In other words, a prophetic word will inspire believers and provoke them to go forward and fulfill God's call on their lives. God's call on their lives. Now here's a question. I think I put it up there on the screen. Do we need a prophet or prophetic word to assure us of our future? Now listen to what I'm saying. To assure us of our future. Do we need a prophet or a prophetic word to assure us of our future? Here's a second question. Are we wanting to know God's plan Or are we wanting to know our own security and outcome? Yeah, I think what ends up happening and where we get really messed up in this is is that instead of allowing the word to encourage us to move forward, what we inevitably end up doing is start seeking for confirmation that God is going to help us or God is going to do maybe what we want him to do. You know, in the last is it all right to bring this up. In the last election, there were a lot of people very discouraged because the outcome was not the way that they were. But remember, if it went the other way, there'd been a lot of people discouraged on the other end too. But when it got dangerous was when people started prophesying or saying they're prophets and start telling people, this is what is going to happen. All right? You always are going to find in Scripture, and the, the Bible talks about prophecy and what prophecy can do, and prophets and what prophets can do. You're always going to have a tension. You know, the end times are a tension for us. They, because on one hand, there's, when I say tension, I mean there's something on one side, there's something on the other. It tells us that God will take care of us. It tells us it will be difficult. See the tension? It tells us that we're going you know, to be blessed. It tells us that everything will be destroyed. Everything's all heading out. It's all going down. It's going to, that there'll be darkness, but will be light. Right? That's a tension. That's a tension that we deal with. It's like the tension between um, grace and law, or tr- the, grace and the law. There's a tension that is always going to be there, that there's going to be things that may sound one way and it may sound another way. But the, the truth is, as we seek God, we come to clarity about what his direction is. Are we wanting to know God's plan or are we wanting to know our own security and outcome? You know, if I stood up here and I said, all right, I'm going to prophesy today to you that all these props are going down, all the props are going down, prop three will go down, You know, the governor's position will change, the the secretary of state will change. All this is going to go the direction that many of us are believing for it to go. If I just came out and said that, what does that do for us? Well, look, that isn't encouraging us to move forward. We're using that to assure us of an outcome. And God, listen, God gives us his word to assure us of the outcome. He doesn't give us prophecy to assure us of the outcome. Prophecy plays an important role because it encourages us to move forward. To move forward. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, a passage you're very familiar with, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God's plan is to give us, look, for us to trust him for our security. God's plan is is that we believe that even if we don't know the plan, we know he's got a plan. And he's got a big plan, a good plan. Look, God's not making small plans in heaven. He already knows the end, the Bible tells us, from the beginning. He says, in the end, things are going to happen so fast. And this is really important, understanding how prophecy is working. He said, things are going to happen so fast that the sower will overtake the reaper. Or the reaper will will overtake the sower, excuse me. It's going to be happening so quick in cycles of things that are taking place, all right? So when we talk about what God is doing, when we talk about how things are going to be in the end times, let me just lay some facts. You know, I believe in fact-checking. I listen to the debates and stuff. I want to fact-check things. I don't believe everything everybody says. I don't believe everything every preacher that I follow says. And you shouldn't believe everything I say. What you should do is study. Get off your lazy rear end and open your Bible and study the Word. Don't just go, no, my pastor hears from God for me. Don't do that to me. I don't want that responsibility. That's your responsibility is to get in the presence of God, get in his word, get in prayer, get in worship, and hear the voice of God, hear God's clarity. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Let's do a little fact check here, okay? Fact check, Jeremiah 531. The Bible says that the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their own power and my people love to have it so. Now, this is Old Testament, obviously, doesn't apply to us today, but the attitude does apply. That if, look, if we're listening to stuff without investigating what's being said, and we're not digging in and we're not seeking God uh, in our lives, and we're allowing prophets to prophesy falsely and priests to rule by their own power, and we're loving it, we just love it, man. We think it's just great because what's happening, someone else is telling me what to do and someone else is telling me what God is saying. But he said in the end, but what will you do in the end? That's what Jeremiah said to them. I'm concerned about this part. You know, there's a very clear thing in the New Testament that talks about people being drawn away after itching. Their ears are itching, and so they start accumulating people around them to tell them what they want to hear. So if you want a certain political candidate, you only listen to people that are saying what you want to hear. Spiritually, I'm talking about. And that's fine to listen. But what we have to do is go before the presence of God and listen to his voice. Listen, fact check. Matthew twenty four eleven. This is Jesus' own words. There will be many false prophets that will rise up and deceive many. So, Pastor, are you calling people false? I'm not naming names. I'm telling you, is realize they're out there. Matthew 24, 12 through 13. Matthew 24, I mean, it's good. It's the end times. It talks about Jesus talking about what's going to happen in the end. This is out of the Passion Translation. See if this doesn't bear witness with you of what's going on. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you'll experience life and deliverance. Let me read it again. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose heart once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you'll experience life and deliverance. Matthew 24, Jesus said this, If God does not reduce the number of those days in the end, no one will be saved. King James says if he doesn't shorten the days. If God did not reduce the number of those days, no one will be saved. But those days will be reduced because of those whom God has chosen. He'll shorten the end. Why, does he, why is he doing that? Because, look, sin and lawlessness, if you haven't been paying attention, sin and lawlessness is abounding in our nation right now. And it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. God tells us in his word that we're to humble ourselves and pray. We're to seek his face. We're to turn away from wickedness and we're to turn to him. We're, to, we're not allow ourselves to get caught up in the things that are going on in the world. and to, Not that we're burying our head in the sand, but that we, we, we begin... Have you, you know, look, if we had a line in our life, if we had a line right here and we said, okay, that's the line, I'm not crossing that line. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you decided to cross that line just a little bit, then you've begun to compromise your faith. I'm talking about just even if you want an inch over the line, you've moved further away from the righteous stand that you had in your life than where you were before. Well, what if it was just a millimeter? You've moved. And what we've got to do is come back in our lives to say, look, I'm not going to allow... Because Jesus said, look, it's going to abound. It's out there. It's already there. There's stuff that, you know, your heart is grieved by. You're overwhelmed by. But in the midst of all of that, what has God said to us? Keep your hope in him to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. If you don't, then what will happen is your passion for God will go away. You'll grow cold. And this is what I saw happen in the last election. Believers whose hearts grew cold towards the things of God, not that they were against God, but grew cold because they were trusting in what men were saying more than they were going before the presence of God and believing, look, God's got a plan. We don't know what that plan is all the time. We don't know how he's working, but we know this, he is working. Or as Spurgeon said, which I think Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, said, I may not always see God's hand at work, but I can always trust God's heart in what's going on around me. We're notorious for taking and, and interpreting what we think should be the outcomes. Remember, God's got a plan here, and his plan is for blessing, his plan is for increase, his plan is for, for victory. Think of how silly, how silly Isaac looked sowing in a time of famine when everybody else was running to Egypt. Why did he, why did, that Lord would look, people were probably making fun of him, just like they made fun of Noah. What's rain? We've never seen rain. What are you talking about? You're insane. They need to put you in a nursing home somewhere. You've lost your mind. The thing is, is that look, Noah knew what God was going, what was coming, but God had a plan. And this is what, no matter what happens here November 5th or whatever day that is, I think it's the 5th, 8th, thank you. Whatever happens on November 8th, in the midst of all of that, don't think, that's it, well, that's it. It's all gone to, you know, if it doesn't turn out the way we think it should, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And allow that to rob the passion that you have towards God, to rob the, and let your heart grow cold towards the things of God. We ought to be more fired up as believers, saying, look, I, my faith and trust and hope is in the Lord. He is working in my behalf. This is a time that I get myself ready, and I know if I get myself ready, tomorrow my God will do wonders. These things aren't moving heaven. Don't let them move you. God is calling us to release our faith in his word. 2 Peter 1.19, not denouncing prophecy, but he says, look, You have the prophetic word that's confirmed, the word that God has given to you. What you do well to heed is a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. I love this because it says it's confirmed. How is it, what does that mean to be confirmed? I looked this up in the Greek language. Confirmed means something that can be relied on not to cause disappointment, it is always reliable. Two, to have continuity or being unwavering and persistent. That's what means the word that you... This word right here that you and I have is a confirmed word. It is a confirmed word. This is inspired by God to you and I. And this confirmed word, as we search the scriptures, we find what God is saying, what God is directing... That God will be with us. That there have been bad times before. There'll be bad times again. But that God always has a remnant of people that are standing faithful and are experiencing His joyous peace, the Holy Spirit, and everything that He wants to accomplish. It means to have continuity or being unwavering and persistent. It means, uh, number three, to have validity by keeping in force. That that word is confirmed that it can do exactly what it says it can do. God is with us. I said God is with us. You know, coming into the holiday season, we talk, sing the song Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. And governments will rise and fall, but God is with us. We do our part. We pray. We, we vote. We do the things. We're, we're clear about where we stand on things. But in the end, when it's all over with, we always remember No matter what, God is with me. God is with me, and God is watching over me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That it is God's Spirit... Look, that is working as we are looking into the Word of God that is transforming, or as one translation says, transfiguring us from glory to glory, that He's changing us into this incredible image. That's not based off the circumstances we deal with. That's based off of what we're looking at. And when we look in the Word, we see clarity of who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And I'll wrap up with this this morning in the book of Romans, it talks about Abraham as he stood in faith, passage we refer to so many times. And I want you, if you have your Bible, just quickly turn there, uh, and this is the last verse we'll look at this morning. Romans 4. Romans 4. And he's talking about how that Abraham stood in faith, and it says in verse 17, if you have your Bibles there, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, I want you to pay attention to something here in this verse that maybe you've, met, maybe you've missed, maybe not. but It doesn't say, As it is written, I will make you a father of many nations. It doesn't say that someday you will have a nation. What does he say before it ever even happened? I have made you. Not I will make you. I have made you. Don't let life try to make you something that God doesn't want you you to become. Be who God made you to be, an overcomer. Be who God made you to be, established, regardless of the storm. Be who God made you to be, one who is prospering, moving forward in life, not afraid, knowing God is with me. Where I go, he goes. And if he's not with me, I'm not going forward. I'm not going forward. Life will try to make you something else. But you let who you really are, Christ in you, the hope of glory, come forth. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come to the altar and help me out here this morning. Jesus, we praise you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, that you, God, give us peace in the storm the storms of life, Lord, that we will be established. Lord, I, I know in your word that it says in the last days in the book of Hebrews <laughs> that anything and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I don't know what all that means, but I know what shaking feels like. I know what it's like to be shaken by circumstance. But I also know this, Lord God, that the deeper that our foundation is, the more difficult it is for us to be moved from where we are. That, Lord, may our faith in your word, the more sure word of prophecy, Lord God, may we stand on that word. The the Lord goes so deep and is so rooted, so deep, Lord God, around the rock of ages, Lord God, that we would not be moved. Father God, I pray for those who today, Lord, are are coming into this election season lord god and, and they're 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 scared or the enemy is just bouncing fear into their head and and they they the lord are overwhelmed wondering about their finances will we will I have enough money will I have enough food will I have enough will I have a job will I be able to put gas in my car will I be able to will I will I be in a a a, a life that that's good or will I be suffering and go without? Lord, I, I know what that feels like. I know what that's like to look into the, the the future and wonder and question. But I also know, Lord God, that you've established in your word what you will do. And you told us, God, in Isaiah forty one, ten, to fear not, to be not dismayed, because Lord God, you are our God, you are with us, Lord God. And Lord, that you are you are you have stretched out your righteous right hand to us. Lord, that you are with us today. I don't know what's going to happen, Lord God, tomorrow. But I know this you hold tomorrow already. And I could trust you. And look, if you're if you if there's any struggle in you, and I mean look, maybe your heart has grown cold. It's grown cold just because of the lawlessness and and, and, and the, the way the world is right now, the news cycles and things that are out there. And if that is getting on you and it's really eating at you, then look, this is why we pray at church, why we have prayer partners and altar workers who will stand with you. They may speak something encouraging, a prophetic thing encouraging you to go forward instead of backward. God's got big plans for you, and he's got big plans for his church all the way until he calls us to heaven. Father, I thank you, Lord, that not one person would leave this place today discouraged, cold in their relationship with you, Lord God, because of the experiences they've been through or are going through right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Charlie?